All right. So um, on a devoted, on these devotion Sundays, these devoted Sundays, what we do is we emphasize some of the some of the disciplines, some of the practices, some of the pictures, the analogies, the narratives um, of what it means to live out the Christian life. I'll have to open in prayer or something, aren't I? <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to keep going. Everybody come in and have a seat. If you're in the back of the room, we can hear you. Um, all right, so um, one of the, the three things that we emphasize, we focus on, um, we're going to really, we always pick one, or so far we've really picked one, and we look at it in this today, that's going to be communion, the Lord's Supper here at the end. Um, and we'll also be um, looking at baptism, and we're, but we're going to start today with, with our parental dedications. Now, um, when we do parent dedications, when we dedicate these families, or when they are dedicating themselves as well, um, all of that is true. Um, we, we, our foundation is um, Deuteronomy chapter 6. So if you're looking in the Bible for a passage to really emphasize this, we get and we believe um, that in fact um, the, the biblical foundation for the kingdom on earth is family. Um, and the families come together, that's kind of the atoms that makes up the church. And so, um, so if, you can, if you can engage with that, this is the role of us as families to minister to one another, to bless one another. Listen to this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they will be like frontlets between your eyes. You'll write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is meant to be taught to our children all the time. The truth of who God is and who he is in us should be something they see, something they hear, something they experience with us, like, like it's just dripping from us. It's, it's a, our bodies are, our, our person is saturated with the truth of God, and they pick it up in every conversation, that everything we do, living that out. We talked about last week that in some way our lives, everything about our lives should be um, proclaiming, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so that's what we're supposed to be living out in our families. And so today, as we, as we begin to encourage our families, come alongside our families, um, challenge our families to live this out, we do that as a group. We do that as a community. We step up. We lead. We teach. We disciple. We engage. Um, and our church clearly, obviously just by looking around, you can see that God is calling us, is putting us in a position to help raise up a generation of next generation of Christian leaders. So we've got to be in doing that diligently. And the families, the main way we do that is with these families that we come alongside them to do this diligently, intentionally, with strategy, on purpose. So we're going we're gonna to pray that over them. We're going we're gonna to proclaim that over them. And I'm going to call up Rebecca to uh, walk us through that. It's my joy to get to introduce y'all to some families today who are patiently waiting in the, to do this with us. Um, so one of the things that we want to make sure happens during this time is um, the parents have taken a moment to pick out a verse, a prayer, um, a, a blessing to speak over their child. And so each family has done that now. And we'll start with Joey and Courtney and Mr. Jackson Scott. Joey, do you mind? Go ahead. Oh, taking it off. <laughs> uh, it's going to be First Colossians 9 through 14. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. 
We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding that the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Amen. Thank you all. And Tilly's. And then we'll have the Apperleys come on up, a family with no personality, as you'll see in their pictures. Um, <laughs> so there are, uh, we have David and Sarah with big brother Jacob dedicating Miss Hannah Grace and Mr. Eli James. We'll let daddy do it. <laughs> all the help, all the help. Oh, mom. Perfect. Yes. Great. I'm a teacher, so I speak in public all the time. <laughs> Uh, we also chose the same verse, uh, but a little shorter version because we're a pretty lively group. Uh, <clears throat> Colossians 1, 9 through 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a worthy life, uh, a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. You did it. <laughs> that was great. Okay, Alex. Alex is dedicating Mr. Mason, Mason Lewis Cox, this morning. We've Thanks. chose verse Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Thanks, Alex. That's great. And then we have the Heaths. We have um, uh, Jared and Lisa. Miss Layla is being dedicated today. And then, um, no, Ivory. Sorry, I looked at Layla. Ivory is being dedicated today, big sister. Our verse is 3 John 1 4. I have no greater joy uh, than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Amen. Great. It's in the parking lot as you leave. Y'all go out. You can see it every week. And then the Morans. We have Oh, sorry, guys. I gotcha. Uh, we have Nathaniel and Kenya. They are dedicating Mr. Lincoln with siblings, Caleb, Victoria, and Miss Juliet. First Samuel 12, 24 says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Okay, the Rosses, we have Caleb and Mackenzie, and they're dedicating Mr. Harrison. Uh, Ephesians uh, 3, 16 through 19 says uh, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Thank y'all. And then we have the Stricklands. They didn't bring the rest of their crew, but they have um, uh, it's Ryan and Lauren, uh, Jacob, Abby, and Matthew, and they're dedicating Mr. Charlie today. Our verse is uh, Zephaniah 317. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great, great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. 
He will rejoice over you with singing. Amen. Thank you for sharing. It is no small thing to pick out and pray a blessing over your child. So thank you all parents for that. Um, we hope today that you um, leave this moment knowing that we are looking at you and declaring um, that you are blessed to be called parent. Um, that is a blessing from the Lord. We also hope that you don't leave today without seeing the church, the community. We have a chance as, as people in this room to look at each other, specifically these parents, and call them brother and sister, um, friend, uh, and co-laborers in Christ. And it is our joy to do that. And the way we will express that today is through um, a reading we'll do together. We'll have these families stand and the guests you invited, they can stand with you and we'll do a responsive reading. The cues are on the screen. It will tell you what to say. And then we're going to have the whole church stand together and declare the goodness of the Lord and the opportunity it is to encourage one another in the faith. So families, if y'all stand right now, thanks. The child you hold are a gift from your heavenly father. Before the thought of a child entered your minds, the Lord had already determined their birth and their coming home to you, that you would be parents. Their life, therefore, is an occasion to celebrate and to reflect on God's goodness. What is your response? Scripture commands you as parents to teach your child about the Lord Jesus Christ. Only then will your child be equipped for the challenges of this life. But your child's spiritual welfare will not be accomplished simply by telling him about Jesus. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your own life that will guide you to the wisdom and creativity to communicate the message of God's love and saving power. The life of your child should inspire a more intentional pursuit of holiness in your home do you desire to be transformed by Jesus and proclaim this in your home? What is your response? Amen. Church, let us stand together. As a church, we are all part of the family of God. As a family, we need to work alongside each parent in their effort to portray Christ to their child. Are we merely spectators? Or will we rise to the call of being brothers and sisters in Christ that exhibit godly characteristics and thus are support, support for what is being taught at home and what is being taught at church? Church, what is your response? We are As a family, we must be willing to hold one another accountable and confront one another when sin enters our lives in order that purity and integrity of our commitments are upheld. You have heard these parents affirm their calling. We would now acknowledge their commitment and declare your hope and willingness to help them keep their promise. Church, what is your response? Amen. I had to steal it from me. It's awful. Anyway, can, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you love us. That you, uh, who love us, have given us good gifts. We thank you for the gift that each of these is to us. We thank you for the gift that you are making us to them. We pray, Father, that we would remember the great, noble, weighty responsibility that we have to have your words be on our lips 
that they might hear it. To have your spirit dwelling inside of us and, and, and showing fruit that they may see it. Help us, Father, to, to be examples of your grace, of your forgiveness in the lives of these children. Help us to be examples of that to these parents. Help us to be a blessing to each other. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Help us to love and to forgive each other. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Um, we're going to take our tithes and offerings. So if you're on the outside most seat on your row, there's a basket under that seat. If you can pass that along to the inside. And if you're on the inside most seat, just hold on to it until an usher comes and grabs it from you. And once, you, once you've done that, you can take your kids across to their classes. We're going to sing a song we like to sing every time we do the uh, parental dedication. It's called How Firm a Foundation. It's just a good reminder of uh, our hope being built on him, um, that he has given us in his word what we need for life and godliness, um, and that we can build our lives on him. Would you sing with me?
Now we get to continue our devoted Sunday by moving into a time uh, where we get to uh, celebrate with some baptisms. Uh, but before we do, a couple of things that we always like to uh, highlight or make sure that we're highlighting when we do baptisms. Um, the first is, of course, that uh, baptism uh, isn't by any means what saves a person. Uh, it, is, it is simply a symbol. I was, I was raised with the phrase, uh, it was an outward profession of an inward faith, um, and then had later probably put some thought to that and realized faith shouldn't even just be inward. It should be in all things, an outward and inward expression of our faith, so naturally baptism would just be a profession, uh, one of the examples of the outwardness of our faith. Um, again, just a symbol um, meant to teach with a, a purpose and meant to, to convey a message um, but it is, in, in fact, just that, a symbol. Um, we know by the example of the thief on the cross, it is certainly not something that is required as, an interment, uh, as to enter into glory, um, but is one that is, is instituted to us um, by Jesus, um, a symbol. And I mean, in the same way that I wear a wedding ring, this ring doesn't make me married. Uh, when I'm not wearing this ring, it doesn't mean that I'm not married. It is just a symbol. It communicates something. And the Lord was very intentional when he, when he gave this institution to us um, with several things. And we tried to highlight that even in the words that we use. So here in a minute, we're going to welcome up uh, two families to baptize. And you're going to see as they, uh, as they talk and as they convey, um, they're going to be expressing a truth. Chris sends a, a video to all of them beforehand, helping to kind of teach and to calm and, and, and to instruct a little bit. And then, so he uses some key language. He says... Um, uh, uh, a first beginning statement that recognizes the authority in which we baptize. Uh, because again, we're going to have two fathers up here, and it is not in their authority that they're baptizing uh, their children, uh, but rather they're going to acknowledge that it comes from someone greater than themselves, somebody whose merit was given to them, uh, and thus they then have the instruction to get to baptize in his name, in somebody else's name. Um, the Lord Jesus in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Those are the words Chris uses, uses in that video. Recognizing uh, the Trinity there. And now that may mean you may have grown up in other traditions or we may even hear this morning uh, that, that uh, uh, there would be the words just baptizing in the name of Jesus. Um, it isn't that that is an incorrect way, that we have to do it this way. And in fact, the disciples only baptized throughout the book of Acts in the name of Jesus. Um, in Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It happens that way in Acts 2. It happens that way twice in chapter 8. It happens in chapter 10 and in 19 that all those disciples baptized in the name of Jesus. Recognizing the authority isn't from them. We go with that expounded kind of version of the Trinitarian statement because we know as we've been studying in John, there's no separation. Jesus is God. And so as we declare uh, that it is uh, in the name of God, uh, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we're recognizing some central truths that our faith uh, is done because of the provision and sovereignty of God. Uh, it is done because of the work uh, of Jesus, living a life we couldn't live and paying the price of the death uh, that we owed, and then it is done because of God, the Holy Spirit, who is the one who brought Jesus back to life and thus is the one who gives us life. So this 
is the, uh, the symbol that we get to celebrate today. So I'm going to welcome up our first family, uh, Jeff and Ginny, and they're going to be uh, Jeff and Ginny Lay, and uh, Jeff is going to be baptizing Molly uh, in witness and support of the other, uh, other three older children. This is the Lay's youngest ones, and so she's going to share with us uh, a little verse, and we're going to watch Jeff get to baptize her. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now it's my joy to get to uh, welcome up the Moran family. Um, Nathaniel and Kina are going to be, we've met them already once before, and now we get to see them again because Caleb, Mr. Caleb's going to get uh, baptized uh, by Nathaniel this, this morning. And of course, they're joined in the witness of their other three younger uh, kids. And so I'll turn it over to you guys. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Caleb, what is your confession? Jesus Christ is the Lord Caleb, with that confession, it's my honor to baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in death. Raised to walk in the newness of life. Let's pray. Father, it is uh, so such a joyous thing to gather with the witnesses uh, that this morning uh, proclaim to us, as Caleb and Molly uh, have declared you as their Lord and Savior, it is of great encouragement to us. It is a great fulfillment of the purpose of baptism to strengthen us as a body. And so, Lord, I pray that it is on those things that we uh, respond rightly and we reflect rightly, uh, inwardly and outwardly, our faith uh, as it should be displayed based upon how you have strengthened us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks, man. Wow. Um, so Caleb and Molly have uh, taught us today, along with their dads, if you don't feel challenged in your faith, then there may be something broken inside that uh, needs some work. That was, that was beautiful and brilliant. Um, 
again, exactly as Paul said, being taught through the experience of baptism and uh, these children and their dads teaching us how the Great Commission isn't just for the paid Christians and the licensed Christians or the church staff, but um, for all of us. I hope it is the ambition of every person in the room, especially if you think of yourself as a Baptist um, or someone who follows the Great Commission, that you would get the opportunity to baptize someone um, as well. Um, okay, so as we're looking at moving on into the, this conversation about living out of our faith and the pictures that God has given us, the narratives, the imagery, um, the ideas that God has given us um, to live these out. Um, so through baptism, through the dedication, um, and one of the things I love about this church um, is that, that we embrace these kids and we embrace what it means to bring kids into the church. Um, so it's, this is a place where we have said over and over again, if if you've got that place in your heart that, <clears throat> that you hear a child crying or, or being childish or, or whatever, and you want to cut your eyes over with a, a little judgmental glare for mom or dad, then there's something, there's something wrong in your heart, not theirs, um, in that. We, we embrace, we love the fact that we have children's noises and they grab the mics and they, make, they run around and do that kind of stuff, and, and that, that's, that kind of stuff is going to be part of having children here. And as I, I was talking with a pastor about that recently, and he said, yeah, I heard that he had heard recently that either your church is crying, meaning there's lots of little kids that are making noise, or it's dying. Um, and uh, I know there are many churches around the country that would give anything to have the voices and the noises made by little kids in the church. So we are, we are proud and humbled um, that God sends so many kids to us. And so let's, let's always have the heart of coming alongside moms and dads and, and loving them and, and embracing them. Um, if, uh, if you've ever been a parent, it's, it can be tough. So God's truths in big ways and small ways um, express to us, living these things out, saturating us. Um, if we have any um, serious nerds in the room, you know who Robert Heinlein is, uh, a science fiction writer who made his name kind of in the 70s, especially um, famous for writing kind of uh, science fiction, but that was largely, honestly, kind of anti-Christian. He loved to name his books after Christian concepts, but then kind of ridiculed them. And his most famous book by far was a book called A Stranger in a Strange Land about a man who was raised, a human raised by Martians. Um, and there's not a lot of water on Mars, and so water was a big deal for them. And when he comes to Earth and he lives out kind of this Jesus story that's, I think, meant to mock us some, but uh, one of the words that he learns from the Martians is a word that means to drink something in. It's also their word for understanding, that when you drink in water, it becomes part of you. It becomes part of every cell. Um, as we, one of the things as we take communion together, as we come to the Lord's Supper, one of the things we're experiencing and celebrating is the gospel in physical form. It's a gospel that touches our, our nose and our tongue and our hands and our ears, that we can engage with the fullness of our senses of our bodies. Um, one of the things that early on I'll mention is that, that um, in early Christianity, there was an offshoot or something. No one really knows exactly where they came from of a group called the Gnostics who taught that the body was bad and only the spirit was good and that anything in the body was bad. And so they were very upset about the idea of Jesus being resurrected bodily. They denied that. And how offensive it was to them that in the early church, it was important that we were celebrating the body and blood of Jesus Christ shed for us and broken for us, very offensive to them, um, which put them on the outside of the truth of Scripture. We're blessed um, that the Corinthian church was doing a, such a poor job of communion that, that the Apostle Paul has to take a couple of chapters to correct them 
And in doing so, we get training from the Apostle Paul on communion. They were just doing it, and, and everyone was living it out. And, 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 um, but we get that blessing. <laughs> so thank you, Corinthian Church, for messing it up um, for the rest of us that we could experience that and learn that. How the communion, the, the Lord's Supper is really about um, a community. Makes sense. Um, about coming together, about sharing and focusing and confessing and the thankfulness and the togetherness of living out the Christian life. It's a reminder to us that we can't do it on our own and that he has brought us together to share in fellowship, to live that out. Um, if the fullness of your Christian life is in a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, especially if it's on a couple of hours on a Sunday morning every once in a while, then that's not the Christian life. Um, that's not being lived out the way God intended with our lives being saturated by the truth of his gospel and the way that we engage with our wives and husbands and our children and our neighbors and our neighborhoods and the person who serves us um, at the restaurant and the person who, who takes care of us at the grocery store and the doctors and nurses and you name it, that everyone we run into, that it's like it's in us and it naturally just, just proceeds from our mouth and our mind and our hearts. Um, the deacons will go ahead and start uh, passing the elements now. Hold on to them. So when you get the, when you get the elements, the bread... Um, and you get the cup. Um, so this time, the way we're doing it is you stay where you are, and they're going to come and serve you and pass this to you. Um, and just hold on to it so that um, in a little bit, we're going to take the elements together, the, the, the bread and the, in this case, grape juice, the wine, um, the imagery there. Um, but understanding where this came from. So um, try, let's try to stay focused in if you can while we talk about it, but I want them to go ahead and start doing that. Here we have, um, this, this whole thing started with the plagues of Egypt. Um, during the, during the, when God is setting his people free, he brings 10 plagues on the Egyptian culture. And he's declaring war against the gods of Egypt. Um, and in the last of those plagues is going to be about the firstborn of everything, the firstborn son of everything being struck dead by the wrath of God. And so God is going to make a provision, a way that that anger and that wrath and that death would pass over his people, even as it strikes the Egyptians. So here's what he says in, um, uh, in Exodus 12, after he's warned them to take in a lamb a few days in advance, um, to take in a lamb, and the lamb stays in their home for four days. And then at the end of those four days, they kill the lamb, a male lamb, a year old, without blemish. Um, it lives in their home, and then they eat it, and they have to eat it all in one night. Anything left over has to be burned. And they spread the blood of that lamb on the doorposts of their houses. Um, this was a big deal. And we're going to celebrate in, a, in about a month, we're going to celebrate Passover together. Um, it's a thing that we get to do as a church. And as we celebrate that, it will bring some of this stuff to light for us. You, the communion will never be the same for you um, if you go through that. Understanding the Last Supper, which was Passover, will, be, will make sense to you in a new way. They, they belted themselves and they wore their sandals and their staff in their hands. And here's what it says in Exodus 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. And the people of Israel did this. As is true always of God's people, God, though being faithful, we are relatively faithless. We lose hold and we lose track and we forget things and we have to be reminded. And, 
the people of Israel did pretty well with this off and on. And sometimes they would forget and go years and years and generations without it. And a prophet would come along and call them back to the, to the remembrance of this. Um, in time, when Jesus came to earth, when the incarnation happened, it was being practiced in Israel. And Jesus practiced it with his disciples and his family, probably every year of their lives. And we get a glimpse into the last one. Jesus wanted to experience one more with his disciples before he took the final steps of ministry. And Paul's going to lead us through this in a second, but it says in Luke 22, at the, this is at the end of the Passover meal, 19 and 21, and he took, um, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you in the new covenant of my blood. Um, as you'll learn at the Passover meal, probably this is the messianic bread, the bread that had been a part of this celebration for years. And it's a part of a piece of bread that you hide at the very beginning, and that's revealed at the very end of the meal and broken into pieces and spread around. A reminder that the Messiah was coming, and Jesus proclaims that that bread is in fact him, and always has been. And then the, the, probably the cup of redemption. There's a, a different opinions on this, but probably the cup of redemption, I think, the cup in which the glass of wine that they would drink, the third cup that they would drink, which says, I have chosen you. I have redeemed you from Egypt. I have chosen you and made you my people. That's the last of the communion, the first and last Lord's Supper that we see in Scripture for about 25 years or maybe a little more when, again, we, as we said, the Corinthians were messing it up so much that the Apostle Paul sends them a letter to clarify what they're supposed to be doing early Christians from the early 100s were already writing about this. This is something that was done probably from day one and continued among churches. At that point, it seems like only those who had been baptized into the church, into the Holy Spirit, um, were given the opportunity to take it. Others were asked to leave. Um, and in fact, the, the communion cup and bread is for believers. Um, that's who it's for. It's a celebration of what Christ has done in us. If you're not a follower of Christ, it's not appropriate for you. It does not apply to you. Um, that's who it was for. Others were, at that time, were asked to leave, apparently. At, at some point, it's still connected to the Jewish tradition for quite a bit longer. Um, a lot of the prayers were connected to the Jewish prayers. At some point, that got kind of lost, it seems. Um, uh, the Eucharist was part of a whole meal, not surprisingly. The Eucharist, which just means Thanksgiving. In traditional, more liturgical churches, they still call it that. Um, the Eucharist, the, the communion, the, past, the, uh, the, um, uh, the Lord's Supper, same concepts. Um, early, early Christians, even the first and second generations of Christians, sometimes called these agape feasts, love feasts. Um, people would get together and celebrate the love of God together and eat together. As Baptists, we've certainly taken that and run with it. Uh, we, love, uh, we love to eat together. Um, Sometimes these died out because of abuses, people abusing the process, because again, we're not that faithful sometimes. There's record early on, even from uh, the first to second generation of Christians, even citing the passages in 1 Corinthians, which Paul will be referencing. Perhaps due to ignorance, some mix of cultural norms, maybe even some anti-Semitism that had snuck into the church at that time, the Jewish roots were largely cut and lost, um, which is sad. And, but, but honestly, probably if you're like me, I didn't know about the Jewish roots of Passover being what communion came from until I was much older. Again, if you've never experienced that, I strongly recommend you, be, you come to experience Passover next month with us. Um, 
Others claim also that the church, what the church was doing was, some parts of the church were doing the opposite. They were even more connecting it to something called the Todah, sacrifice. Todah is a, one of the few, uh, if you go to Israel with us, one of the few Hebrew words you'll learn when you're over there, probably. But everyone has to learn Todah. Uh, because they serve you a lot when you're over there. Um, all of them do. They, they, they love to do things for you. And Torah means thank you. Um, that's all it means. And in fact, um, when you're there and you do something for one of them, sometimes they, will, they, they, they link them together. Torah, Torah, Torah. Um, you learn to say that when you're over there. You do, they do something for you. And if they go over the top, you're like, Torah, Torah, Torah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The very grateful and, and gracious community over there. Um, and they had a type of sacrifice that was just called the thank you sacrifice. And so some people think the reason we've narrowed it down to just these two things is because, um, because it's connected to that. No one knows for sure. Um, when we celebrate together, you can, uh, you can engage with it yourself. But there's a moment in the, in the Passover at the end when you send a child out first to see if Elijah is coming because that's what they did, the prophet Elijah. Um, but we know Elijah has come in John the Baptist, and so instead we send them out to see if the clouds are parting and if Jesus is coming back. Because it'd be really sad to finish Passover and then like 30 seconds later, Jesus shows up. You'd be like, if we just waited a few seconds. So you don't want to make that mistake. So what we always do is we send kids out. And the first time I hosted one, Mark Hampton was a little boy and I sent him out. He doesn't remember this, but I sent him out and he went out and he stayed gone and he stayed gone and he stayed. And people started like murmuring. And for one of the first times ever in my adult life, I began to realize the reality of the fact that Jesus was coming back. And it seemed like something had caught my kid's attention that felt to him like the clouds were parting. And in fact, there was, he told it, there was something going on in the clouds. He thought, oh, I better wait and see how this turns out before he came back in. <laughs> it was awesome. Let me challenge us as a church that between now and next month when, G, when, uh, when we have Passover together, when was the last time you prayed that Jesus would come back? When was the last time you embraced that in your heart, that Jesus would come back? We can be so caught up in, in the little things and not recognizing that's the promise he's made, and that's part of what we celebrate when we take communion together. So I want to encourage you. Let's find time to pray that that would happen, um, that Jesus would come back. Maybe he could join us at Passover um, that night. That would be amazing. So we're, gonna, we're going to, it uh, looks like everything's passed around. So instead, I'm going to turn it straight over to Paul, since that's the, the plan of that had happened. We've been practicing this, practicing um, communion for thousands of years and Paul's going to make that connection for us in a cool way and then um, walk us through the Lord's table walk us to the Lord's table once again and we'll take that together and then sing together as well so Paul thank you yeah as the uh, as Chris has even already mentioned this is this is not something that uh, we've invented this is something that the saints have been doing ever since the Lord instituted it um, and so we have great accounts among his, history Christian history gives their insight and shares their thoughts, the same truths that we celebrated, they celebrated, the same truths we get to announce today and proclaim together, they had proclaimed. One of these uh, such things is um, actually the, the Heidelberg Catechism, and I'm going to read you a question and answer from there. Um, a catechism, for those of y'all who don't know, it's just a word that comes from the Greek word katecheo, which means to, uh, to teach by the mouth, by words. It's a word we see in Acts and in Luke used to teach verbally, to instruct. Um, all that a catechism is, it's a summary or maybe an exposition of doctrines uh, used for the purpose of instruction, uh, to, to train, uh, to remind ourselves of truths. And that's how it follows. Um, actually, in the Heidelberg Catechism, which was written um, in, in name that because it was written in Heidelberg, Germany, 
um, in the year 1563. And there it actually contains 129 of these questions, this back and forth. What about this sacrament? And then the answer based upon scripture. In it, there's three questions about the Lord's Supper. Uh, And I just want to focus in on the first one and read it to you um, in that form. Question 75 says, how does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and all its benefits? Here's the answer. In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command comes these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. As you're there and as you're holding these elements, they're in your hands and that's an assuredness. You know that they're there. If I came to you and I said your hands are empty, you would look at me like a lunatic because you know You're like, I'm holding them, they're tangible. As surely as you hold and feel them now, so surely his body was offered. As much confidence as you have them in your hands, you can have that same confidence that the Lord accomplished what he has set out to do. Second truth uh, or promise, second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the one who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord given for me, as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. This is, again, the assuredness that we can have. One that is certainly accompanied by doubt because we are fallen and we are in the process as redeemed being sanctified, made holy, so certainly we doubt the truth that we're proclaiming now, the assuredness that is we don't really need to have that doubt. Of course, the Lord is gracious and welcomes our doubts to go before him, but at the same time, his answer is simply himself. You don't need to doubt. So sure you can be in my work. That's what we are doing together, the assuredness. So as the apostle Paul writes in the same way, Also, he took the cup after, I'm sorry, let me scoop scoop back in verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me father it is amazing that in all the ways that you could have brought about salvation you chose to break yourself such suffering demonstrated is a testimony of your great love for us And as we remember this word this morning, remind us of a salvation continuing to work out in our lives until you come. So that is our prayer, Lord. Come, Jesus, come. What a great day, huh, church? Um, So a couple of things that I want to leave you with. Um, One is the, 
the theme of these pictures that God has given us of a life covered and saturated and filled and devoted um, to Christ and his message and his gospel. Um, I hope that that is lived out. Um, the way we serve um, the, the deacons of the church, uh, that word just means, deacon means servant. So it's totally appropriate that that is who was serving us the Lord's Supper today is, as they seek to model service to us um, and show us what that looks like. Um, also, um, we have a, a vote coming up next week on our leadership board. Um, you can see as, you, as we engage with this today, I hope that you experience how important it is that our church is led by people who are um, focused on Christ, who are holy minded um, who are engaging with these things at a level beyond just human wisdom, um, but instead prayerfully and intentionally. Um, so the, whoever it is, we'll, next week you'll get to choose. We have a great um, team to choose from. You've got some information pages out, out in the, there that you can grab. They have little bios on them. Um, and then if you're a member next week, you get to choose three of those names to join um, me and Dwayne Darty and Bo Keeling and Karen Nolan and Bill Heimball and that team right now. And this is this is really a spiritual exercise for our church every year. Um, this, isn't, this isn't just simple wisdom. It's, this is a spiritual exercise. And so um, I think God will lead us um, as we submit to him. Um, and these are big things. We, we face a building project and church decisions about safety and security in the church. Um, and all kinds of, you never know what else God is going to bring to us. Uh, the certainly last couple of years have taught us we never know what God is going to bring to us. And so... Um, we want to be carefully selecting those people and prayerfully as well. Um, communion is a time for reflection. So um, again, to continue to reflect and pray and consider um, what God has done and to be thankful for him for it and, and what he's doing as well. Um, so if you will, stand with me and we'll, we'll pray and then and we'll have a time where you can respond uh, as the Spirit has led you, if you've had that, those conversations with um, Lance Sturrock and or the Welcome Home team that we've got, and, uh, and you're ready to join, then, then that would be something that you can do here in just a moment. Um, if you've got anything else, any, any other cause to come and pray or, or seek prayer or to, um, uh, to engage with somebody else in the room that you need to, whatever it is, we, we ask and encourage you to do what the Spirit leads in your heart. So let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you model what it means to be a father, that you choose us. Um, that you purchase us, that you pay the price it takes to get us, um, and that you love us. And um, Lord, even when we don't understand what's going on, just like children don't understand the decisions that parents make, and we don't understand what's going on, Lord, I pray that still we can trust you. And we can learn to grow up in our faith a little bit and learn um, to listen to you and, and um, to engage with you, worshiping you, loving you, and serving you. Um, in, in a childlike way. God, I pray that as we hear your good news, we will hear it like children hear good news, joyfully, um, excitedly. And God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who's never accepted the free gift of you wrapping them up in your arms and choosing and selecting them and naming them and adopting them, Lord, I pray that today would be the day for that salvation. They put their faith in you even now, even today, because they've seen the kind of God that you are today in some really cool ways. Thank you, Lord, that we could experience these things together. And I pray that they will change our lives this afternoon and the way we relate to our families and tomorrow and the next day as we live out this week in the community you place us in. Help us be faithful, Lord, to the degree that we can, understanding the work of your spirit in our lives. Thank you for all of it. Lord, we pray this in your son's name. Amen.